Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for today is from Luke chapter 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because of this widow, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? We're talking about being persistent in prayer. In persistence in general is a good thing. And persistence in prayer can be a most good thing. So, as we read this story, we're not to think of God like the judge, that he's crooked, mean, nasty, unloving, unkind, and that we need to beat him up in prayer to get what we want. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that above all judges, and this would include magistrates in our governments, the boss at work, the boss at home, parents, spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, the coach, teacher, the pastor, above all the little J judges, you know, people who speak verdicts into our life, above all them, there's a capital J judge named God, and all people, including all the little J judges, all give an account to him. And when we pray, we are giving request to the capital J judge, the one who judges the heart and the mind and the soul, the one who judges perfectly, justly, and forever, the God of the Bible. And when we pray to that God, we're praying to a judge who is completely unlike this judge in the story. And the point is, If this woman would persist in her request to a godless judge, how much more should we persist in our prayer to God, our Father, the judge? If he's unjust and our God is just, if he's unkind and our God is kind, if he's an uncaring judge and our God is caring, and she persists in making her request to this bad judge, how much more should we be motivated to continually bring our request to God, our good judge? And we do that in prayer. So ultimately, under all of this, there is an admonition, an exhortation, an invitation to be prayerful, to persist in prayer. So let me unpack a little bit more about prayer because I don't want to assume or presume that you've a lot of experience. Prayer is simply talking to God. The Bible is how God talks to us. 
we call it God's word. And prayer is how we talk to God, and that's the means by which our relationship with God is formed and grows. Like all relationships, there has to be a two-way conversation and communication. God speaks to us through the scriptures. We speak to God in prayer. And prayer does work. God answers. God hears and answers all prayer. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. And sometimes he says later. Because God is like a parent. (coughs) God is a father, the Bible says. And like a good parent, he has three options when we make a request. Yes, no, later. We persist in prayer because perhaps the answer is later. I mean, you've got a friend. You don't know where they stand, and you're not sure if they're going to live forever in heaven. could be a family member, a friend, a co-worker, a neighbor. You want them to meet Jesus. The answer may be later, so you keep praying to see if it's no or later. And you don't know if you don't keep asking. Prayer does not work even if what we ask for didn't happen. Because prayer always has two purposes. Usually our primary purpose is that we want to move the hand of God in our favor, what we want. But God's primary purpose oftentimes in prayer for us is that he wants to mold our heart. And so you may say, ah, prayer didn't work. God didn't do what I told him. Well, by definition, being God means you don't always do what you're told. (laughs) I mean, that's just in the definition of God. It's not like God's in heaven going, you know, I didn't want to do it, but they said to do it. And who am I? Oh, I'm God. I can say no. God never has to do what we tell him to do. God can do whatever God wants to do because God knows best. So sometimes we pray and we're like, didn't work. God didn't do what he was told. Well, sometimes prayer moves the hand of God. But primarily, prayer is also to mold our heart. That's why the Bible says to even pray for our enemies. Why? So that our heart can be molded, so that we're not bitter or calloused, or uncaring towards our enemies. That we love them, that we grieve for them, that we want good for them. Ultimately, as well, you will see, as you pray, that maybe things don't change. And people don't change. But you've been praying and praying. But you see that you change. You change as you talk to your Heavenly Father. All of a sudden, you become, in character, increasingly more like God. You can't say, this prayer didn't work because they didn't change and things didn't change. God says, I love you, and it did work. And I wanted you to keep praying because I wanted you to change. Right? That's what we sing. Mold us, mold us and fashion us into the image of Jesus, your Son. Change my heart, O God. So when we pray, we pray like Jesus taught us to pray, our Father, our Father. So if you want to know how to pray, 
Don't look at religious people. Oh, but you can get really impressed if you do. Oh, look at that guy. A guy in a hat banging his head against a wall. Or there's a rug and they're on it and they're facing east. Wow, that looks amazing. They are so dedicated. Don't be impressed by outward appearances. By the way, that's next Sunday's lesson. When Jesus says to pray, our Father, if you really want to know how to pray, look at how a child speaks to a father who loves them. That's how we are to pray. Not disrespectful or dis dishonorable, but like you're talking to your dad. In fact, that's what Jesus says, our dad who is in heaven. And when he uses the language father, it's the language of dad. Kids talk to their dad all the time about anything and everything. There's not a lot of pretension. It's not real formal. They just talk to him. So since God is our father, that means we can persist in prayer. And I'll tell you a few things that it doesn't mean. Number one, you don't have to pray eloquently. Kids don't talk to their dad like that. Dearest kind father, I beseech thee to grant me the use of the automobile this weekend, please. Dad, can I use the car? Number two, your prayer doesn't need to be lengthy. You don't have to pray long. Sometimes you can pray long, sometimes you can pray short. Just like when you talk to your dad. Sometimes my kids come to me, Dad, we need to talk. And it's 30 seconds. Other times, it's 30 minutes. You know what? Your dad loves you. Your dad's there for you. Sometimes it's short. Sometimes it's long. But you don't need to pray long. It doesn't need to be repetitive. You don't need to pray repetitively. Sometimes religious people do this. Is that how you talk to your dad? Think about it. Dear dad, I'd like some chocolate ice cream. We just love chocolate ice cream. We just want chocolate ice cream. We just like a big bowl of chocolate ice cream. My brother would like a chocolate ice cream. We, sprink we like sprinkles on our chocolate ice cream. We like marshmallows on our ice cream. We would like whipped cream on our sprinkles on our chocolate ice cream. Dad, just hear us. Dad, just acknowledge us. Dad, could you please give us this ice cream? You get the idea. Prayer does not need to be repetitive. If you want to learn how to pray, just watch a good child talk to their good father. Now, how many of you don't really persist in prayer? And part of it may be you've got a bad view of God. You don't see God as a loving father. And I would suggest then you need to get into his word and learn about him. That's why we have church. That's why we have Bible study. We get to dig into God's word and we get to know God on a very personal level. And you will be so impressed with the creator of the universe who loves and saves you. And that's really the message of the Bible. Now, how many of you, you're just totally disorganized when it comes to prayer? You're all over the place. I'm going to just say, if it helps, make a list. Keep a journal. When something or someone comes to mind during the day, make a note of it and then pray about it later. Think about it. How often do you ignore the Holy Spirit's prompting? God brings somebody to mind, but you don't pray. 
The Bible says, don't grieve or quench or resist the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will bring people to mind. You're driving in your car, you're working, you're doing something. Somebody comes to mind. Great. You can pray silently right then and there because God knows your thoughts. Or you can pray out loud if the setting is so. You can call them up and pray for them on the phone. Don't resist the work of the Holy Spirit's prompting. Because God the Holy Spirit is always bringing people to mind that we can be praying for. And here's what really encourages people. Let them know. Send a text, send an email, send a voicemail. Hey, today God brought you to mind. I was thinking of you. And I pray for you. I love you. I just wanted to let you know that. It means a lot to people that someone is thinking about them and more than just thinking, but taking them to God in prayer because that is a safe place. Persevere in prayer for people. It's good for them. It's good for you. And if you don't know what to pray for, just ask people. Here's a simple question. Is there anyone or anything I can be praying for? Is there anyone or anything that I can be praying for? And you know what I find? People say yes. Even if they're atheists, they'll say, yeah, I'm an atheist. Well, is there anything I can pray for you? Yeah, I'm not sure I believe in God, but if there is, could you ask him? (laughs) So, people like to know that you're praying for them and it's a good thing to do. Now, another question. Have you lost hope for people? Well, I'm not praying for them. They'll never change. They'll never get saved. I give up on them. I'm bitter. Then first pray for your own heart because prayer is not always to move the hand of God. It's to mold our heart in addition to moving his hand. And maybe you need to first pray, change my heart, O God. I don't even want to pray for them anymore. I don't want to even think of them or be reconciled to them. I'm so bitter. I'm just done with them. Well, pray for your heart and pray for their heart. Pray for God's hand in both of your lives. So Jesus' big idea is persistence can be a holy, virtuous, noble, good thing, especially when we persist in prayer, bringing our requests, bringing our family and our loved ones, our friends, bringing our heart before God. The next question is, well, how long do we persist? So then Jesus concludes by talking about not only holy persistence, but holy patience. And will not give justice, God give justice to his elect? Those are all the people God determined to save from sin, death, and hell. The believers in the Old Testament, those who are Christians today, those whom God has not yet saved, but he will. And by his grace, we get to be part of that. Those are all the saints of all time, the elect. Who cry to him day and night, will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will he find people persistently trusting in him, praying to him, asking for things of him who provides all good things? And Jesus is saying, persist in talking to God about this life until this life comes to an end. 
And when this life comes to an end, you and I will receive our proverbial day in court, that we will all stand before the capital J judge, and there will be justice. There will be justice. For the Christian, justice came at the cross of Jesus Christ, right? God became a man. God entered history in the person of Jesus. God did not sin, but our, our sins murdered Jesus, and he died as a substitute in our place for our sins as our Savior. So for the guilty Christian, God is both a just and merciful God. He says, dropping the gavel, you're guilty, and I died in your place for your sins you're also forgiven. That is justice. So at the cross of Jesus, justice and mercy meet, and the judge is also our Savior, and it's absolutely amazing. For the non-Christian, judgment comes in the end. All stand before Jesus, and there will be a proverbial day in court. And Jesus knows all, and Jesus hears all, and Jesus sees all, and Jesus judges all. That's what John says. The Father judges no one. He's entrusted all judgment to the Son. So what that means is if you're a victim of injustice, you will experience justice in the courtroom of God in the presence of Jesus. So just wait patiently for your day in court. And I know it seems like a long time. I mean, for this widow, I'm sure those days of longing and waiting were at times frustrating perhaps even discouraging, but she persisted patiently. I'll give you an equation, and here it is. Persistence plus patience equals perseverance. Persistence plus patience equals perseverance. If you want to persevere to the end, you need to have persistence and patience. And Jesus says this day of judgment is assured and it's coming, but the question is this, will you have faith to walk in that truth until that day? No one else will tell you, I'm God, I've existed eternally, I have come down from heaven. No one else says that, but Jesus does. I am the Son of Man, there will be a day in court, trust me, persist patiently and persevere until that day. Keep on keeping on, keep going. Dear victim, don't quit. Trust the judge and get to the court date. And this is all over Scripture. Matthew 28, 20 says, Lo, Jesus said, I will be with you to the end of the age. The age. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be watchful, stand firm. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And Ephesians 6, 18, Keep alert with all perseverance. Colossians 4, 2, Continue steadfastly in prayer. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary. 1 Timothy 6, 12-14, fight the good fight of the faith until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 4, 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. 
James 5, 7 to 8. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the Lord of the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. 1 Peter 5, 12. This is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. 2 Peter 3, 17. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Remain stable. And Jude 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. See, God exhorts us, God encourages us, and let me say this, God enables us and empowers us to have both persistence and patience and therefore perseverance. You can't be persistent and patient on your own. You'll fail miserably. So the life we live is not just a life lived for God. It is the life of Christ lived for us. It is the life of Christ lived in us. Remember, he is alive and well. Jesus rose from the dead. He has sent his Holy Spirit to be with us all the time. And he lives within us. He lives within us. And the one who's telling the story, he's a better judge than the judge in the story. He judges justly and perfectly. He also pays the price for all guilty sinners through his death, burial, and resurrection. Furthermore, Jesus, who teaches us the story and meets us on the other side of this life, is better than the widow. I mean, she suffered to be sure, but he suffered more. She did not suffer to the point of shedding blood. She was not arrested, beaten, stripped, nearly naked, disowned by family and friends, scourged beyond human likeness, and nailed to a Roman cross. But our Jesus suffered an injustice that is in completely different category than what the widow suffered and he suffered it persistently and he suffered it patiently and he suffered it perseveringly because he is a good God and Savior. You and I are called to follow in the example of Jesus and we are compelled to follow. So it is the life of Christ in you and through you, empowering you and enabling you to persevere through persistence and patience. And in that way, I want you to see this life like a marathon. And to be a Christian is to run through to the end. The Apostle Paul uses this language elsewhere. He says, I have run my race. He sees the finish line in sight. And marathons tend to be how long? Right? 26 miles. Do you know why? The Greeks had suffered many crushing defeats in battle. They went into one epic battle and they were outnumbered four to one. But they won their battle. It was a miracle. It still is a legendary tale in Greek history. And they needed to get the news back to the city of Athens from the city of Marathon about the victory and to position and prepare themselves for a potential army that was still coming via ships. So they needed to know what was happening. So they commissioned a man. His name is Phidippides to run from Marathon to Athens, about 26 miles, 
He had already fought all day in battle. He ran the 26 miles to bring news of victory to Athens. History records that he entered Athens and he shouted, Victory! And then he died. And that's the Christian life. It's like a marathon. You run to Jesus, you proclaim his victory, and then you die. You leave it all in this life. You leave it all in this life. You run through to the end. Persistence plus patience equals perseverance. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, I pray for all of us, and I pray that we, by your grace, would persist as this woman persisted, and we would persist until Jesus returns, the dead are raised, sin is judged, heaven and hell are assigned, and the kingdom has fully come. And God, I pray for my friends and my family and the members of my church that they would not give up, that they would not give in. I pray that as we run this race marked out for us, and for some of us the terrain is very hard and the work is very difficult, and for those people, I pray the Holy Spirit enable them to finish well. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you ran your race, that you saw your mission through to the end, the cross and the empty tomb, all for us, that you are per patient with us today, that you are persisting with us today, and that one day you will come and there will be justice for all and sin will be no more. In your name we pray. Amen.